Shalom Aleichem on behalf of Teach 613, we welcome you to take 10 for Talmud. Babakama Kuv Zayin, Babakama 107a, pagination is 213. Starting from the third line, a Gemara that I believe we've done on different occasions and we'd like to explore from a new angle. Omar Rabba Rabba said, Mepnei Ma'omra Torah, why did the Torah say, Moda B'miktza Satayna Yishava? A person who admits to part of the claim has to make an oath. It's an example of a biblically mandated oath. We have other types of oaths that are rabbinic. person claims that somebody owes him a certain amount of money and the other person is a kofer hakol, he denies everything. So then there's a different type of shavua, shavuas hesis, the shavua of denial, but that's not a biblical oath. We'll try to explain in a moment what one of the big differences is going to be in our time. But a classic biblical example of an oath being placed on a person is when there's a modeb miktas, there's a partial admission. Why? So Rabu explains, Chazoka inada meiz panav b'fnei balchovo. We have an assumption that a person does not have the audacity to deny in front of the person he owes the money to, and he just his conscience gets in the way. He can't deny it. It's not easy for him. He would like to deny it all, but he can't do it. Because he doesn't have that level of audacity. So on the other hand, the conscience is playing a role. He wants to admit it all. So why is he going midway? He's admitting to part. Savar he figures. This is a mitzvah, so to speak, that's very hard for him to pay up what he owes. If I admitted all, they're going to give me um, responsibility to take to give it all right now. He doesn't realize the concept of a payment plan, doesn't think they're going to offer that to him. So I will evade them right now. Until I have money and I'll pay up. So this person, the Gemara has him pegged exactly what his Nisayon threshold is. We see exactly where he's up to. He wants to deny, he can't deny. He wants to admit, he can't, it's too much money. So he strikes a deal in his own mind until he can get with the program and pay it all up. Hilkach, therefore. Rama Rachmana Shavua Ilave, the Torah placed an oath upon him, so that he should admit to the truth. We have to realize the Torah may agree that Bezdin strikes a deal with the person of a payment plan, but we need the truth on the table. Don't start switching things. And therefore, the oath is assumed to do the trick that he wouldn't make an oath that's false. The Gemara comments, This logic applies by a loan. 
But in the cases that are typical of picadon, a person would deny it. Which gives us an insight as to what exactly this lacking the audacity to deny is all about. There are different approaches in the Rishonim. The Rush, for example, writes that these are really two different categories. They could apply by Milva, they could apply by Picadon, theoretically, if you work it through. But the typical case of Milva is a denial that he never got the money. That's something that the other person is Yodeya Shehumeshaker. He knows that he's lying. And that's the kind of case where he can't be Meyes. Avobetaina de lo Shaycha but the type of claim that would exist by a picadon, meaning, I agree that I got it from you. My question is, what happened now? So he makes up a story. He claims a lion came. So there's no one who can deny it because no one else witnessed it. So on that, there's not considered a, a status of it's hard to be that it's hard to have that level of audacity. Why not? No one knows if he's telling the truth or not. So if it's cases where the other person knows what's going on, so then there's this level of assumption that he wouldn't be mayors. If the other people don't know what's going on, so admitting to half might actually be a sense of uh, he's telling the truth. He had no reason not to deny everything if he wants to deny. Now, in our time, in general, we do not impose oaths. Instead, we do a grading system of sorts. We take it into account. How believable, according to Torah, is this person's claim? Would he, in Gemara terminology, be required to make an oath to affirm his claim. And we take all that into account when we do a waiting system to see in whose favor the court case would go. I want to make an observation that I believe we also mentioned this in a previous session. In Evan Ezer Simon Yud Zion Se'if Bayes, we have a similar similar principle regarding a woman in her marriage. The principle is, Ein isha mi'iza panea <clears throat> A woman does not have the audacity to say to her husband, to his face, you divorced me if he didn't. There's a level of assumption in the conscience of a person that she wouldn't be able to do that, and therefore her claim is believable that she's divorced. The Ramah writes, In our time, that chutzpah is rampant. We can take it into account that she's claiming that she's divorced. She might be, therefore, prohibited to a Kohen, even if the husband, at some point, predeceases her, but we don't accept her statement straight away 
that she's divorced because there is a lot of chutzpah in the world. And the question, of course, would be, does that impact our discussion in any significant way in the explanation of Moda B'miktsas that the Torah assessed such a person can't deny the claim entirely, so he's admitting partially because it's hard to deny straight away something that he owes. Now, even if he would deny the entire amount, there would be a Shavuot Dirabbanon that may be applicable. And in our time, where we don't actually impose the oaths anyway, we're just doing a weighting system, these things would be taken into account, but they're not going to be definitive. Interestingly, even though we do have this argument of chutzpah in our time, the Pizchei observes in Sifkatan Tess that there are times where what she's saying is muchach. It makes a lot of sense. And if it fits, even if we can't totally prove it, her statement may very well be accepted. The case of the Pizchei Tshuva is that a woman claims that she was divorced from a certain husband who has all kinds of very odd plans for his life. He's going away, doing his own thing, and wants to keep her as an aguna, and she claims that she got a get, and the letter affirming that she had a get was taken from her by the husband, I think the case is. And they did their research, and they found out that indeed the Rav that she claims organized the get for her did indeed travel at that time to the city that she claimed. And the people in the town acknowledge that indeed there was such an incident, but we can't find anybody who can definitively say they saw the get being given. But everything seems to match up. And in such a case, if she's able to say it straight to him, it would be taken into account, even though the Ramah says there's lots of chutzpah in the world, but you have to take into account what kind of woman she is, what kind of man he is, what kind of situation is being presented to us, how likely the story is. In this particular story, the rabbi that organized the get, or was claimed to have organized the get, has already passed away by the time we were able to get to him. And his wife says she remembers the story, but she doesn't know for a fact how it worked out. The principle in our Gemara remains a significant factor in assessing court cases that ain't other mayis panov bifnei that a person doesn't have the audacity to deny in such a significant way directly to the person who knows that he's lying. Yashakoach, thank you for joining.